Hey, we're back. It's Jed Banger's Ball. Uh, with me today is Yasi Salek. She's a journalist, DJ. She runs Cultazine with some other like-minded folks. Uh, like we mentioned before in the first episode of the show, this is the second one. So what the show's about is, is it's about music, but it's about all aspects of music. It's not just about the love of music or playing in a band or whatever. We're talking to people that are behind the scenes, people that, you know, show up and do the work that that helps put on the show so journalists bloggers photographers music licensors record labels what have you anyone involved in music and that's what we're here to talk about uh as you'll hear in the show today uh yassi is not always a fan of my humor which is fine i don't have to be funny to everyone but we had a good talk and i got to know a lot about her that i normally wouldn't uh when she's texting me while watching criminal minds or I'm sending her bitmojis from work or whatever it is. Um, so that's the question today. What's it like to write about music in a day and age when there aren't a lot of publications left and the ones that do don't really pay? So what do you do? Do you start a blog or try to publish your own magazine or you go into marketing for a corporation and hopefully end up working with people or things that you like? I, I don't really know. Uh, I don't think we necessarily found the answer other than you have to just do what, you know, it seems everybody else is doing these days, which is work all the fucking time on as many projects as you can and hope that one of them sticks. And while, you know, you do that, you have to have a straight job maybe. But I'll let Yasi explain that. And uh, this is our talk with her. I love that the dog is here. Uh, so you're DJing tonight at The Smell. Yes. What's it for? Is this part of the interview? I don't know. We're, yeah, we're just going right now. We're just um, recording. It is this band, No Parents, their tape release party. Uh, I believe it's called May the Thirst Be With You. And it's presented by Burger Records and Altamont, a skate company that happens to employ me. And it's going to be a good time. What do you do for Altamont? Uh, I'm not actually sure what my title is, but I run the blog and do all their like music related stuff. So marketing partnerships, bands that want free clothes, I get to be the queen of deciding that. But that seems kind of like that's that's a very now sort of situation to not know what your job is. You're sort of overseeing marketing, internet, writing, putting shows together. Yeah, I think the now part of it is people being really cheap and being like, we're not going to hire other people. You're just going to do all of the things. Right, you have a computer. So <laughs> yeah. <we're just> gonna... <laughs> you can do graphic design, right? Because we also need you to make the flyers. Can you press the records? Do you have a pressing plant at your house? You should do that too. Yeah, do you have a, yeah, exactly. Did you grow up here in LA? Uh, in Torrance, which is not really LA, but kind of. It's a little bit south of LAX. Right. But your parents are from Iran originally. Yes. Both of your parents. Yes. When did they move here? In the 70s, after the revolution. And, and what did your dad do when he got here? Um, my dad's an engineer, so a mechanical engineer. So he had gone to school here, got his master's at Cal Poly Pomona. And you were born here, though. I was born here in Cedar sinai Hospital in beautiful West Hollywood. <laughs> and so <laughs> growing up uh, with Iranian parents, and then how did you get into like punk rock and all that sort of stuff? Um, well, I grew up in Torrance, which is, there's really nothing there. I don't know if you've ever been there. 
It's kind of like an industrial part of LA, right? No, it's not even part of LA. It's its own city. It's the South Bay. It's like next, like, there's actually a lot of punk bands that are from down there. Like Pennywise is from Hermosa, more current. Joyce Manor is from my hometown, Torrance. Um, the Descendants are from around there. Um, there's a lot of bands that were like, it's just like a super skate punky scene down there. A lot of the skate companies are actually based there, like Girl and Chocolate and stuff. Right. I don't know. I didn't have any Persian friends growing up, and I was like an angry, isolated, sad little girl who was like, I'm going to go. You know, actually, I know exactly how. I was obsessed with Nirvana because I was 11 years old when Nevermind came out, and that was like the biggest deal of my life. And then I was also a total book nerd with no friends, and my dad would buy me used books at the bookstore, and I found this book called Route 666, The Road to Nirvana by Gina Arnold. Who I think I wrote a letter to actually, because it was just like a book chronicling all the like genres and bands that led up to allowing Nirvana to be such a big deal. And I would just save up my allowance money, and every week I would go to the record store and buy like The Replacements or like Husker Du or like whatever was in that Fugazi. Like, so I was listening to all these bands that like weren't currently active or none of my friends knew about just because of this book. So when when you got this book though, did did, did you ever think like oh? I could write about music was that um I, w- I was always interested in writing um I didn't yeah I maybe maybe I mean 11 is a long time ago because I'm right. 20 now and so that's like you know like nine whole years uh, <laughs> but no I don't know yeah it was like I thought this woman was so cool that wrote this book you know she was like going to all these shows and interviewing these bands and just I was like I could I want to do that that's cool when I was a kid um, my mom because I didn't really read and I still don't mm. like to read that mm-hmm. much. Um, and my mom got me a, but I was interested in music, and I was interested in like heavy metal music, um, which is a long story. But my mom bought a book for me at the used bookstore, but it was like a Christian book about which heavy metal bands to avoid. <laughs> but she, my mom, being like a '60s hippie, was just like, oh. If these are this list of bands that are in this book, this Christian bands, these are probably bands that you would might like. Yeah, so, no, it's like a it's a definitive. <laughs> please pick these up guide. She was just being like encouraging <laughs> and saying like, oh well, you like Metallica and Megadeth. I found this book um, that's also about all these other Satan bands that you like. Wow, that you might like. So here's a book, and you can find out more about which records to buy based on this. That is really cool, as opposed to my parents who were like. Oh, after school, you're going to math class. You're going to more math class after school. It's a real thing. It's called Kumon. I had to go to math class after school. Is it a Persian thing? It's actually a Korean thing, Uh. but Persians and Koreans are really similar. And I was the only Persian kid or white kid in this class. It was all Koreans. So every day after school, I got dropped off at math class. Well, I think that that's just... um, I had friends in high school that were from their parents were from Romania and, and it was just very like you come to a country it's you have to like succeed you know you can't it's all about hard work right yeah but don't you think that's like child abuse it, well the, the you're done with school it's 3 p.m you're like yes I'm free and they're like nope you're going to go study some more math well the brother I, I was friends with the girl and the brother he was uh he was valedictorian of his high school but his father had pushed him so hard to like do well in school the entire time that as soon as he graduated as valedictorian of his high school, he married this girl and ran away from home and never spoke to them again. Wow. That's, that's sad. 
Yeah. Well, so... <laughs> so kind of a sad story. No, I don't feel great. <laughs> so bringing it back. So you, you, you start re- reading about music originally. Yeah. You get into Nirvana. You're into the whole grunge thing and stuff. Yeah. How, how much longer does it take before you think like, oh, I want to start doing this. I want to go to shows. I want to cover these shows. I want to maybe put out a zine. or what? Did you have a zine? I did have a zine, but I don't think anyone read it because, again, I didn't have any friends. <laughs> So this was a lot of just like me writing like bad poetry and like, you know, stuff like that and like Xeroxing it and putting into a thing with I don't even draw or anything. Um, But no, I wrote for my like eighth grade, like school paper about music, but it was like very much like going on. This was like the very early days of the Internet. So it was like going in the school library, booting up the like Rolling Stone what I don't even know how we would AOL. It was like the AOL music homepage, and then just repackaging and repurposing like their news bits into like my like what's happening in music column because I was a huge dork, and again I had no friends. And <laughs> what, where were you going? Like where were you going to shows in Southern California? I, well, I wasn't. I was you know I was, I was thirteen years old. My parents made me go to math class after school. Do you think they were letting me go to shows? When did no you shows. start going to shows? Then um, you know it took a long time because actually I started going to shows when I was fourteen. Um, but it was like, you know, that's, that's like one year after the math class thing. I know, but I didn't get to go to that. Like, for example, like I would go to like house parties, with some punk bands, like they usually played. We don't have venues in Torrance. Right. Like maybe there's one. Um, I was obsessed with Blink-182. There's no shame in that. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal for me. And at the time they were still really small. So I saw them play a couple times in like clubs in like Huntington Beach or whatever. But then I moved to Singapore when I was like the end of my freshman year of high school. There's no sh- clubs. There's no punk scene. There's no shows there. What was what was that about it? I had no idea. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure I've told you several times. No, I think <laughs> I think through all of our texts when I say, what are you doing? And you say, I'm lying alone in bed with a cat vaping. Two cats. I don't think you ever mentioned <laughs> Singapore. No. Yeah. Well, what are you doing is a current question. Um, yeah, my parents, you know, my dad got a promotion in his job and it involved him, you know, going to Southeast Asia. And so he was like, you guys have to come too. Uh, in uh, Singapore, Bali, Indonesia. No, Singapore is different. What's the what? What city did you move to? Singapore is a city state. It's just Singapore. Of Indonesia. No, it's just Singapore. It's okay. a country and a city and a state. But they cane you there for spitting on the they ground. They didn't cane me personally, but they they do employ caning. How long were you there for? Till the end of high school. And did you make friends over there? What was it like? I mean, yeah, like in the way you make friends because like you have to survive in the wilderness. You know, you can't just be alone forever. Um, I don't know. It was a private school. Everyone was from different places. It was an American school. Everyone spoke English. Yeah, the whole the whole country speaks English because it was a British colony. But yeah, I don't know. I would, I would listen to my angry punk tapes and my Walkman, and it was ninety five degrees every day of the year with like a hundred percent humidity, and my hair looked really bad. And I just bided my time until I could come back to America. And so you come back and you move to L.A. or you go back to Torrance? No, I went to school. I went to Santa Barbara. Oh, you went to college, UCSB. Yeah. Banana slugs. Yeah. So then here comes like an embarrassing... Oh, no, that's Santa Cruz. No, yeah, it was uh, Gauchos. Gauchos. (laughs) Yeah. You you come up to the table and if I put the card up, you give me more meat. That's the mascot of the school. Is that what a gaucho is? I don't know. I think so. It does like Brazilian steakhouse restaurants. I, I, no, I thought a gaucho was oh, it's like a, a cowboy. cowboy. It's a Brazilian cowboy. <laughs> it's a Brazilian cowboy. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't like super into school spirit or anything. Gotcha. So you go to UCSB. Yeah. Are you writing then? I was, yeah. I got my first 
like published writing thing happened to me when I was in Santa Barbara. I interned at the Santa Barbara Independent Newspaper. And they didn't let me write about music at first. The first thing I wrote was a movie review of a movie called Down With Love. It was a Renee Zellweger, Ewan McGregor romantic comedy. I gave it a bad review because I didn't care for it. And I got a piece of hate mail. From, from Ian McGregor? No, from an elderly gentleman that lived in nearby Goleta. And he said, he, he was like, I kept it for a long time. He was like, this woman clearly is bitter and resentful, and she has no idea what love is. And I was like, that might be a true fact, sir, but that does not make this movie any better. Did you, you no, I didn't get to respond. That no. was just like what I thought to myself. Right. They don't allow you to respond to hate mail in a, the Did independent Did they print weekly. his letter that he wrote to you? Yeah, they printed it. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I know. Why didn't I quit forever then? I should have. What an idiot. So then you, you're, you're writing in college. You come back to L.A. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I moved to San Francisco. You moved to San Francisco? After, yeah. I have no idea. You've been all over the place. Yeah, I was a restless person. What were you doing in San Francisco? Here's the time of my life that I was a little interested in underground hip-hop. Like, a little more than a little interested in underground hip-hop. And so I I was trying to write. I, like, applied to, like, every internship possible, like the San Francisco Bay Guardian, the SF Weekly, the Oakland, whatever their version of the weekly is. What year was this? This is 2003. Ooh, you should have contacted me back then because I knew all the writers at, at, at all those papers because I was a publicist. Yeah, I wouldn't have met you for, like, 10 or 11 more years. So I don't. I know, if only, though. Um, no, the only like semi-famous person that I like peripherally knew from back in my college days was Mr. Steve Aoki, because I worked at the only record store in Santa Barbara. It was actually very cool. Morning Glory Music. I knew Steve Aoki at that same time as well. Yeah, when he had that show, that house, Biko House, was it called Biko House? I don't know. I used to trade records with him from Sub Pop to Dimac and back and forth. He had a, he had a house that had shows in, in Santa Barbara and he would come into the record store I worked at every day. And, like, you know, buy stuff or whatever. And I would just sit behind the counter sullen and not talk to him because I didn't talk to anybody. So where are you living in San Francisco then? In the Lower Hate, right behind the Safeway on Market. Okay. And so you're just you're, – you did you have a job, like, or were you just trying to find work? Yeah, I, I was a waitress at a sports bar in the <laughs> Soma District <laughs> called Eddie Rickenbacker's. I lived in a house on Fillmore and Fell next to a crack house, like an abandoned crack hotel, with four dudes from upstate New York who were all like super fratty. And like it was a Craigslist situation. They hated me. At first, I lived with my best friend who moved up there with me in one room, a six foot by eight foot room. We slept in the same bed and both worked at Eddie Rickenbacker's. The owner hated me because whenever I wouldn't straighten my hair, because my hair is really curly, I'd come in. He'd be like, you didn't brush your hair. You look unkempt. You need to leave. <laughs> like, no, my hair is just curly. It was a hard time. No, I was, but I was interning. I got an internship at Accelerator. Oh yeah, and that. also ABB Records, which is an underground hip hop label in Oakland. Okay, cool. Yeah. So then you start working there, and it's going well. Yeah, I got hired at ABB Records. Like you know, for three months I was an intern, and then I was the head of sales because it was a very small label. <laughs> What I'm working up to is, like, when did you figure out that I'm going to do freelance writing, basically? Yeah, you know, Judd, here's the thing. The narrative is not that easy. <laughs> That's not how it works in life. Like, I wish it was. Yeah, I wish I just, like, came out of college and they were like, here you go. You're working at Rolling Stone. Now you're going on tour with this band, just like an Almost Famous. Nope. Had to change. I had to shift gears many times. Right. I've had a million jobs. I worked for an autograph dealer who had a stolen 
Oscar that I had to sell. Whose Oscar was it? Judy Garland's. I worked at a deli where I had to slice meat. I worked at a like a sneakerhead sneaker store in New York, which I also kept all my stuff in their basement because I was homeless at the time. It takes a long time to make it in this field. Yeah, no, and that's what I'm that's what I'm sort of getting at is like how, how do you sort of survive doing freelance writing? Like that, you do every possible job you can. I mean, even I remember I I moved to New York after that. Actually, okay, here I'll, I'll tell you. While I was at ABB, I got my first like actual music writing thing, which was with Vapors Magazine, may it rest in peace, a graffiti and street culture magazine out of Sacramento, which we like advertised in or had some relationship with. And so they started letting me write for them. And they were really cool. They let me do whatever I wanted. I remember my first piece for them was with that rapper, Gene Gray. Oh, yeah. And I had to do a phoner. I didn't know how to do a phoner. I don't know how to record this. I'd never done it. And so I had, like, my like, tape player next to the whatever, like, speakerphone, and it malfunctioned, so I couldn't even record the interview. So I just had her play MASH with me. And that was, that, that, like, I Oh, submitted. like that weird game where you... Pull. Yeah, it's not, it's not like origami, like you're doing with your hands. We're on radio. No, where you um, do the <laughs> thing where you go back and forth. No, and yeah, it's not that one. It's oh. just, like, you know, it's, it's on paper, though. But that's what I submitted as my piece. Anyway, so they were great. I ended up becoming their music editor. That still only paid two hundred dollars a month so yeah wow yeah i remember when i i I had a similar thing where i I really wanted i was doing publicity but i really wanted to be the college radio guy Mm. at uh sub pop but i hadn't i didn't go to college (laughs) so i didn't really know i didn't really know anything about radio either i had i had done a radio show when i was in high school at the uh, at the Tritech, which was the like, uh, what do you call it? The uh, craft college. What do you call that? A like craft college. Not a like craft you make, college. Like macaroni necklaces and stuff. <laughs> not a, not a, a trade school is what I meant. <laughs> yeah, uh, totally. Not different. a craft like, college. The kind that's like for welding and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, but they had a radio station there too oh. in the small town that I lived in, and, and I had a little radio show there where I played. It. And I used to play those carts, which are like basically like eight tracks or whatever, uh-huh. you know. And and the and the rule there was like. It was you were only allowed to play alternative music, right? Only alternative. So these like aspiring no. welders and like ITT technician people were really into alt music. <laughs> well, no, the thing about it was like that they didn't really define what alternative music was. Oh, okay. Like I played like a Alice Cooper song one time, and they got really upset oh. because it wasn't considered alternative. Too mainstream, Alice Cooper. <laughs> exactly. So, anyways, fast forward. I'm I'm applying for the college radio position. And I was sitting down with uh, my bosses and because I, I was already working there. And, and they said, well, you know, like, can you like, do you know what an ad is? You know, and I was like, I, an advertisement, <laughs> an advertisement. And they were like, no, it's when the song gets added to the playlist oh. on a college radio station. And I had no idea, so I didn't get the job. So being the college radio guy, you meant that you were the one that like would like deal with pushing it onto college radio. DJs. Exactly. I'd be like the. The liaison. Like a liaison between the record label and the college radio people. Which, I mean, you actually, the way it works, and it's the same with mainstream radio, is you actually have to hire out a, a company, a third-party company, that then greases the wheels with college radio. Yeah, and actually a lot of places have in-house people, though. Yeah. I used to work with them. We had one at uh, ABB Records that I used to work at, Underground Hip Hop. Underground Hip Hop. So you're making $200 a month. Yep. You're in New York or San Francisco at this point? Um, I was that I had moved to New York, so I had quit the record label, but I had kept my music editor position. And you're living in Brooklyn. Where are you living? I moved to the yeah Williamsburg at first because that's where you move when you move to New York, right? And you're a hipster, and 
you know, you want to make it big. You want to chase your You dreams. don't move there anymore. Now you move to like... Well, no, yeah, now you certainly can. bed Yeah, I lived in a two-bedroom apartment that was on South 4th and Roebling, which is now really fancy, but back then was not really fancy. And the window was broken in my room, so snow would come into my room every night during the winter, and the landlord would not talk to me or come fix it, so I had to sleep on the couch for the entire winter. But I was working at the time. So then how long does it take before you go from there to starting Cultist? I started Cultist maybe three years after I moved to New York, after I moved back to L.A., as an online store. Selling what? Women's streetwear. Women's streetwear? Yeah. Like a, like a tracksuits? No, no. Like streetwear in the like streetwear sense, you know, like. Can you explain what that is to me? I, I don't know what streetwear is. Missed you. Um, you know, back in the early 2000s, I wear Wranglers, Jed, so I there was a proliferation, is that the right word? Proliferation? Proliferation? I'm a writer. Um, of all of these independent brands that made kind of a mix between like skate and urban wear. I don't know. You know, like. Oh, okay. I get it. Supreme was the first one, I guess. But like, you know, the hundreds and Mishka and all these brands. Those were streetwear brands. Got it. So you start you're sell you're selling like their brands on your site like you're like a distribution sort of thing or yeah I was a store you know I stocked their stuff gotcha and then and it was just you at the time or did you have partners um, I worked with this girl and then it didn't work out between us and then it was just me for a while and then I hired someone for a while and then I was just over it because who the fuck wants to run an online store it's the worst idea in the world it's so boring and uncreative and I mean no offense to all you people that run online stores but for me I was like. So, I'm sorry, did I sign up to just sell t-shirts? Right. what I'm doing? I'm a, gar- I'm a garmento. It's like having a store, but you're just never there. Yeah, you don't get to interact with anyone. You're doing the cool parts. So, then I canned it, and I'd gotten my master's degree during this time. <laughs> From where? USC. Oh, wow. You were doing, like, a satellite course, or you came out back No, I moved back to LA. Oh, you moved back to LA when you yeah. started the store. Yeah. And then, so the... So you decided the store is not what you want to do, and you you were able to transition it into. I was a still writing the whole time, though. Right. Like I was, I wrote for whoever was. I mean, when I lived in New York, I I had worked five or six days a week, and my one day that I wasn't working, I interned at Complex, and I wrote for you know magazines like Mass Appeal, which I think just came back, and Misbehave, which was like a women's urban-ish lifestyle magazine, may it rest in peace. Like, I was always writing for anyone that I wrote for Inked. Like, whoever would let me write for them, I would write for Tattoo magazine. Yeah, yeah, I interviewed Belladonna. Wow, the porn star. Yeah, it was great. I used to work at Hustler. Really? (laughs) So you get a master's degree at USC, and then then when do you decide that you're going to turn Cultus into a online magazine, basically? Um, um... I don't know, maybe like shortly after shortly after I got my master's probably. Because um, I kind of kept it while I had my master's because I was studying business. So it was, a, it was a kind of a cool, you know, case study that I had for my own self while I was studying business. And then when it was over, I was just kind of over all of it. Um, yeah, so then I was like, oh, I, I guess I, I was trying to write all the time and I would pitch people stuff. And Vapors was now defunct. And I had really gotten used to being able to write really like quirky weird shit like with bands and musicians that you know had had a lot of personality but was really abnormal like like playing mash or like i went on like a date with jim jones you know like things that weren't 
And nobody else would let me do that. Like, sure. everyone was really traditional, and, like, I would pitch and just be denied. And so I got really frustrated. So I was like, well, I'll just fucking make my own stupid website, and I'll want to write about whatever I want. So that's what I did. And so that, that, that was another question I kind of had for you. It's like, have you ever, like, had to interview bands that you didn't like as people or um, or you didn't like the music? Or have you always kind of tried to do it, like with a, this ideal of, like, I'm going to write about what I like. With cultists, I never write about anything I don't like. Right, because that was it's your kinda, own thing. Yeah, it was kind of the point. I was like, well, this is a fanzine, ultimately. Like, I don't, I have no interest in reading someone be negative. Like, I don't, the whole, that whole, like, world to me is so foreign because it's not 1986. Like, people aren't saving up money to go buy an album at Sam Goody where they can never hear any of it before. And so some, like, high and mighty music critic needs to tell you if it's good or not like nope you have ears go fire up the spotify if you like it you like it if you don't you don't like i don't need a review to tell me that something's bad it just the whole thing is like really foreign to me so what do you think though then the the writing about bands and the journalism of, of music what kind of effect do you think it has on music or bands these days does it does it help them does it hurt them does it do anything I think it helps them because I think, you know, we live in a time where, like, personalities are the number one commodity. Like, there's people that are fucking famous from just having an Instagram account, you know, like, because they're a a personality, you know, you know all this stuff about them. So for bands, I think if they're able to do press in a way that, like, makes them more accessible to fans... Like, their fans are going to be really into that. And, like, that's how you see bands that, like, you know, you and I might think are pretty mediocre or, like, whatever. But they have huge fan bases because there's something about their whole package that really appeals to people. They're able to sort of build it on their own and they have a little bit more control of, like, when stuff goes out. Or if they want to, they can put stuff out constantly. Totally. Yeah. So I was wondering, so do you think, though, then there is, like, a cohesive scene of, like, underground bands and journalism or is there is it all just so spread out and crazy and everybody's kind of doing their own things right now that it's not it's just it used I, to be there used to be like kind of this like real scene of like zine yeah. culture and then there was like you know the punk culture there was you know what i mean like i don't think we really have that as much anymore because it's like like for example you know major labels aren't signing as many people as they used to. Like the divide between who's a major label pop star and who's like a successful indie musician is not that big. And like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Like there's going to be like four Taylor Swifts and Katy Perry's or whatever. And there's going to be 1 million varying degrees of indie band. Right. And that's, so the scene is like massive, you know, it's not, I mean, think about Pitchfork. Like, that's an indie music blog. It's And they write about Kanye West and things like that. And they're, like, up there as one of the biggest right. music publications, you know? And they're, like, I think the divide is much smaller now. But you guys are able... at, at cult- So who else runs the site with you? Um, I run it, and we're using this term very loosely. It's a blog that I update, like, whenever I feel like. And sometimes sure. three weeks will go by and we don't update it. Um, but my friend Jane Halpern also contributes a lot of stuff. Um, she's more of a lifestyle writer. Um, and then we, we like, I really like having submissions from actual musicians. Mm -hmm. So we have like random people write stuff like for a while, Ty was doing something like, you know, we have people contribute. Ty Ty, sorry, Ty Siegel. Um, so, and then 
you guys just celebrated though the third anniversary of it. Yeah, for three years I had a blog. It's crazy. Is that a long? Is, is that, that impressive? Is that a long blog? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's pretty easy. <laughs> I don't think there was any cause for celebration. Well, I think that I think the hard thing about doing a blog or anything like that these days is is that it's just keeping motivated to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it definitely because is, you don't you're not yeah. getting that immediate feedback. I mean, you're like looking at little likes and things like that, or like yeah. seeing that people share stuff, but like. You're not like out at like an event, uh, you know, selling your magazine or you know what I mean. Like, right. Well, like, I would argue that we actually have way more immediate feedback than like a magazine or something like a print publication. Right. I guess you do because you you see like how many hits it gets or yeah, you see how many hits it gets. You see like engagement on social media and like you know it's pretty easy to see if people are reading it or not. And you've turned it into you know it's it's a forum for you as well to write because you write a lot about like feminism and things like yeah, that on there yeah. as well and that's kind of a a slant on it as opposed to like as opposed to like vice or something else or pitchfork right. or something like that it has like a personality or your personality in there as well right yeah i mean for better or for worse <laughs> that's i mean that's just what happens when it's like one person right spearheading a, a blog and and do you get do you ever have like crazy feedback from people that are writing you directly complaining about stuff or upset by things? I don't get many complaints. Uh, It depends. Like one time I wrote this rant, which I don't often write negative things, but I had seen this piece on MTV, one of MTV's like satellite sites. This guy wrote this piece that was like, how to pick up chicks at a metal show. And it was just like really offensive. It was like, Basically insinuating, like, women don't know about heavy metal. They just saw, like, a video on YouTube of fucking, you know, Cannibal Corpse, and now they're really into this scene. And this, But, the, like, my friend, my roommate Heather Fortune and I were reading it, and the guy had actually gotten factual information about heavy metal wrong in his own article. Like, he right. clearly wasn't a heavy metal dude himself. He was just, like, a comedy guy trying to be funny. Right. It just really pissed us off, so I wrote kind of a rant about it. And I got so many hate comments because it got picked up by a bunch of metal blogs that were just being like, this is cool. And then there's just like crazy Hesher dudes coming at me being like, fuck you. You're fucking stupid, bitch. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So you live with Heather from uh, Wax, Idols. Wax Idols. Yeah. She used to play in White Lung, but she doesn't yeah. anymore. No, because Wax, Wax Idols is her like main thing. Right. And then you live with Mish from... White Lung. White Lung. I did. She just moved out a couple months ago. She got married. Congratulations, so you live with Jennifer from Bleach. I did formally. She doesn't live there anymore. So. Yeah, we have a we have a bit of a, a rock house, I guess. You have this like house of women rockers. Yeah, the house of women rockers. That's exactly. cool though. Um, and so, are you still doing? Um, I mean, what's next then with the cultist stuff? Are you guys? Do you have any plans for this year? Like, is there bands that you're like want to interview? Is there somebody that you would love to get on there or? Or is it just kind of like spur of the moment you think of it? Like, yeah, I can put it's, it. so, it's super spur of the moment. Like if I'm at a festival, I'll just grab somebody and be like, this is interesting. I mean, you know, we've had some like big things that I was really excited about, like Lou Barlow and stuff like that, which I probably I was the only one excited about that. And but that's, that's the fun. point, though, is like, yeah. even if you're the only person excited about it about it you can still do it right? totally and then i guess i mean jane and this is not super music related but it'll have a music it doesn't have to be okay uh jane helpern and my other friend jane min and i are starting a print magazine called crying Mm -hmm. um yeah it's called crying magazine (laughs) and it's gonna it's a collection of your tweets it's just it's just me crying on every page no it's a literary ish magazine it's gonna be like half like fiction and essays and stuff and then half like photos and art 
Um, our tagline was going to be, we've got issues, but then I was at the book fair and I saw somebody else has that tagline. It's just like really a bummer. So yeah. it's going to be something like that. Like lots of issues. We have tons of issues. I don't know. I wanted to make a Volkswagen bug, like one of the new ones that looked like, um, the Pikachu from Pokemon. <laughs> but then I saw someone in Japan had already done that. It's really a bummer when someone already has your idea. It sucked. Um, but yeah, so I'm really excited about that because it'll be nice to do something a bit more serious. Because Cultus is really fun, but it's really tongue in cheek sure. and jokey, and which I like. But how about girls just want to have fun? That's terrible. Okay. Um, are there any writers that that you want to like work with? Is there are there people that you look up to or that it, it inspire you as as a writer that you would like want to have like write for the magazine? Oh man, I mean, yeah, of course. But I mean, we don't pay any money, so this would just be like dream stuff. Um, who do I love? Well, who were the writers that were influencing you when you were first starting out, you know? Um, well, I mean, that book by Gina Arnold, like, really, like, did a number on me. Um, there is a woman, oh my god, her name is eluding me, I know. She used to be the editor of The Hairpin. Do you know who I'm talking about? Um, she is brilliant. She wrote this piece called Winter Boyfriend, which is forever one of my favorite uh, pieces of writing ever it's basically like she saw a magazine that said how to land a winter boyfriend and she was like what is a winter boyfriend i don't know but i want one what is your winter f- boyfriend's name jeb where does he live under the bed like it was like how tall is he three feet like she was just making up this narrative of what a winter boyfriend is it was uh-huh. just super funny um i like Haley moltek i think i pronounced that right she's now the editor of the hairpin um i don't know there's so many Sure. You're well, I mean, there's so stop. many bands. There's so many music. Yeah, I mean, for like serious music writers, like I mean, John Caramonica is like one of the best in the world. I could never write like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Cool. Well, <laughs> worst. Sorry. No, that's great. Um, do you do you want to play a game? Because I know that you are oh God. DJing tonight. Yeah. And you have to get down to the, your DJ uh, gig. Yeah, my DJ gig. <laughs> that's what we call it in the business. My, D- my disc jockey gig that I have later. D- your DJ gig. So, uh, do you want to play band names? Like, I don't know this game. Band names is a game that I invented, sort of, uh, where I hand you a cue card and you will read the name of the band. Uh huh. And then you're going to tell me whether you think this is a real band or a fake band. And then we can discuss. This feels like very Jimmy Fallon, but okay, let's do it. It feels very Jimmy Fallon. Wasn't it Jimmy Fallon? Or was it was the other one that did that? Uh, it wasn't Jimmy Fallon. The other Jimmy. He did that at Coachella. Remember they went around telling them like bands that were playing, and they were like, that's not a real band. Oh, but that's he does that all the time. You're talking about Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel, yeah. He does that all the time where he just like, he did a thing recently where he ground up a bunch of Skittles and told someone that it was organic juice. <laughs> At the farmer's market. Yeah. And this guy was like, he was just like, oh my God, this juice is amazing. I would drink this like every day. Like, you know, and it was just like Skittles. Basically. That was a really good voice. Are you an actor? Uh, no. Um, so we're going to play band names now. Okay. I'm going to hand you a card. And since you're a DJ and a music journalist, this should be very easy for you. I'm going to get everyone wrong. No. You're, okay. Here we go. Let's, let's just go for it. Okay. Lumpy and the Dumpers. I mean, are they signed to Burger Records? I really have no idea. It sounds like a fake band name to me. It's a real band name. Great. I believe they're from St. Louis, Missouri. Current and band. Current band. Uh-huh. Uh, actually, quite great. You'd like them. Oh, uh, and they are signed. Well, I don't think they're signed to anyone, but uh, there's a label out of Florida called Total Punk. Oh, okay. And they put out their seven inches. All right. There. My bad, Lumpy and the Dumpers. I'll check you Sorry out. Sorry about that. Here. Here's the next one. Paralyzing Gaze. Man. This is tough. 
this is really hard because it's like, is my friend Black Chris in this band? Did he invent this band? <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> here's the thing about it. So if it's gays spelled G-A-Y-S. Yeah. But it could be. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. It could be. G-A-Y-S. Yeah, you couldn't see that on the card because you're on the radio. But it could be G-A-Z-E. No, no, no I, got, I got it. You get it? I got I get the the double entendre. Right, but when I'm saying if if it's like a queer core band, right, it's okay. Right, but if it's if it's not, not, yeah, then we have a problem. Um, I'm gonna say real. Uh, that's fake. Damn. Sorry about that. I wish it was real. Someone should start that band. I don't know why. Black Chris. You know what? I need to um cue up my uh my notes on uh the uh band names here. But here we got one more for you. Well, we have plenty more, but this is just another one, real quick. Sick thong. <laughs> Sick. Thong. Wasn't that our band name? Uh, no, I thought <laughs> I thought our band name. Wait, our band name was something to do with cats. But then I said I didn't. I was more of a dog person. Cat spit. Cat spit. And then I told you about cat butt. Cat butt. Yeah. I which didn't care that'll be on another show as a <laughs> as a real or fake band name. Um, sick thong. I'm gonna say yes. Real. Uh, sick thong is fake. Oh, God, I suck at this game. Yeah, you haven't got any of them right. I really yet. like that name, though. I'm surprised no one's taken it. Yeah, um, that's a, that's what's great about this show is because um, on the last show, I, that name actually came from Lance from Permanent. Uh huh. In the last show, we had uh, Lance and Liz from Permanent Records on, and uh, we had a one of the band names was Cosby Drugs, <laughs> and they got it right immediately because they were like, "That's too soon. No band yeah, could yeah. get that." But there's going to be a band named Cosby Drugs. I hope so. Sure. All right, here's another one. I hate this game. Giorgio Murderer. That's so good. Please tell me it's real. That's a real band. Yes. That's, that's our really friend John good. Henry in New Orleans. That's his band. Oh, my God. It's so good. Giorgio Murderer. He also plays in Buck Biloxi and the Fucks. Wow. Which I, I don't want to give away too many band names because I'm, I'm going to run out of material. I need but. to hear this band. You know Giorgio Maroder's actual son works at Huff. Oh, really? Yeah. So we can send him the What's music. What's his name? Alessandro, I believe. Alessandro Maroto. Yeah. Maroder. Maroder. Murder. Alessandro murderer. <laughs> All right, here we're keeping. See the problem with this. Is sh- this going to be a long game? Because I have to go. Oh, no, you have time. You have time. You have twenty minutes. Um, Do I? Yeah, you. <laughs> it seems like I should. Have Most to leave people soon. really like this game. <laughs> Do they? That's, That's interesting. <laughs> You've only had two guests, so I don't really know what your sample is that you're pulling from of people that like this. A lot of people like this game. Uh, the problem with this game, though, is sometimes it's like it's kind of like when you're trying to name pornos or whatever. Like mm-hmm. it just gets kind of gross. But and then I don't know why, but it just has to. So here's another one. For it you. gets gross because you made these up. I don't know how you're you're acting like it's like so like a thing that just happens. You wrote these. You made it gross. Just read what's on the card. Come face disgrace. I say no because it's too rhymey. It sounds like a like a porn musical. You're saying that's fake. Yeah. Yeah, it's fake, right? Okay, good. I think I read it on the internet. Well, I can tell that you made that up, so. <laughs> okay, moving on. We're keeping it clean here. Okay. Rectal hygienics. I like that you're good at reading these. Some people aren't so good at reading them. At reading words out loud? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I am a trained writer, so I would hope that I could read the... I mean, your handwriting is atrocious, but... Um, I'm a doctor. Rectal hygienics. Man, I don't know. Yes, it's a real band. It is real. They're from Chicago. Great. They have a record coming out on permanent records. I'm also promoting. It's also really not fair that you played with people that own a record store. Yeah, they probably know a little bit more about what bands. No, they are were there. terrible. Oh. Uh, I, well, Lance was good. 
I mean, I picked up the Taylor Swift album on the way over here. So just and to let you know. Blind. And Third Eye Blind. Yeah. Where I'm at in life. Yeah. It's a shit sandwich. Okay, here we go. <laughs> this one's cute. Jim and the Rats. Spelled, how's it spelled? Spelled like Jim, like where you go work out. <laughs> you made this up because you thought it was cute. <laughs> like, you were too proud of it. It's not a real band. I know. You've been following yeah. me on Twitter. <laughs> All right. Here's another one. It's also terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, white boy. That's probably real. That's real. That's yeah. a that's like a '77 punk band from Washington D.C. and it was a father son duo. Whoa, which is kind of creepy, right? Yeah. You know who would be really good at this game is Black Chris. He knows everything. I'd love to have Black Chris on here. <laughs> you definitely have to. He'd be Black great. Chris. He'd be so fucked up though. Uh, I mean, but it'd be awesome. Redundant. Um, that reminds me. Are you still doing the Blundertown stuff with him? Shannon does that oh. and Cornette. I know, but you do it. I mean, I, I just do, we have do stuff together with Cultists, but that's Shannon's thing. You guys thing. work together to yeah. promote shows. Yeah, we're doing a show at South by, which will be fun. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on. Okay. Nun slaughter. I say real. That's real. Yeah. That's like a hardcore Cleveland band. All right. Here you go. White swallow. That's real. It's like some like lame emo band or something. It is. It's like I, I think I, I think I saw their MySpace. Yeah. Listen, Jed, can I give you a piece of advice? Yeah. This segment of the show is too long. <laughs> You've lost everybody that was listening. No one's listening anymore. No one's listening. I'm bored and the- I'm physically here. Your dog fell asleep. Like, this is the worst. He was tired. I took him for a long walk. He was tired. You have, like, 20 more index cards in your hand. This the, is so bad. The, la- the last time we played the game, I wanted to end it because I felt like it was too long. But we're going to wrap it up, okay? I have three more. Okay. It's like when we play live. Okay. We're going to play three more. And then these are going to be for you, okay? Okay. All right. This All one's right. cute. Seafood. Seafood. Uh, it's real. Yeah, it's real. They're British. Yeah. With seafood. We're going to play some songs. You're the only person that likes this game. I'm guaranteeing <laughs> you. <laughs> Am I wrong? This game is so boring. I love this game. You okay. have two more. The View. That's a television program. Correct. Is it a band or is it just a television program? I feel like that's a show that you watch, so that's why I put that in That's there. rude. Is it? A little bit. I feel, but you're, you're at home during the time that it's on. Well, yeah, but I'm working. That's how I make money. But you're on the computer and you're watching The View while you're working. No, I told, I'm, I've told you this before. I have a rule. No TV until 6 p.m. Because I'm not going to become one of those people. You, who's your favorite cast member of The View? I don't watch The View. I don't even know who's on there. Okay. Is, it, is it Whoopi? We'll go with Whoopi, yeah. Okay, Whoopi mine's, is my favorite. Mine's Joyce Behar. It's Joy Behar. <laughs> <laughs> mine's Joy Behar. I love Joy Behar. Um, this is a real band. That's correct. Okay. Um, okay. This is the last one. Thank fucking God. And I'm not... My girlfriend, <clears throat> Jess, who's the producer of this show, Hi, wanted, wanted to give you one that was, the band was called Hunt, Gather, and Rape. And I, thought, I just thought that was <laughs> horrible. That's not true. It's a terrible... Bandmate. You wrote that. No, and you she were wrote proud it. I promise she wrote it. So I wrote one she in. Wrote I wrote one in rebuttal just because I felt that that was too gross. Uh-huh. But I didn't want you to have to read that. So here's here's what it is. Clown collage. <laughs> it's fake because you just said <laughs> I wrote one in rebuttal, which means it's not a real band. You, Damn it! Not only am I bad at this game, you're bad at presenting this game. Okay, thank you so much, Yasi, for oh, coming. Oh yeah, thanks it's for It's been a real me. pleasure. Have fun at your DJ gig. <laughs> thanks, Jed.
All right, everybody out there, thanks again for listening. This has been Jet Bangers Ball. I want to thank Yasi Salik again. Go check out her zine, cultistzine.com. She's going to be out in South by Southwest, of course, again this year, as the rest of us are sweaty, dragging, heaving masses. East Austin, Red River, 6th Street. It's just one big blob of humanity just sweating and rolling down the street. Oh, boy. Here we go again. As always, we're brought to you by This Is Not A Pipe, recorded here in beautiful Los Angeles, California, at the Green Street Studios. This is Jed Banger's Ball. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.